Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Monday afternoon or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azra and the Language Nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazren. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T. A-Z or Z, depending on your country. R-E-N. You can also simply search Azrin, the language nerd, on your favorite social media platform, and you'll find me that way. So again, that is spelled A-Z or Z. R-E-N, the language nerd. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. So I want to talk about music to start this podcast off. I'm a big believer that, and actually, let's take a step back, not music. I want to, I want to take this in a different direction, where music is a part of it, but not the main focus. I want to talk about learning languages through another medium. You see, I am a big believer that you can study a language on its own. You can study the rules, study the grammar, study all of that, and that's fine. That will work. But what tends to work better for most people is if you study a language through another skill or through another activity. So a good example of this was over the weekend. On Saturday, I hosted a few events that were called Languages and Music. So I had a French and Music and a Spanish and Music event. This upcoming week, I'm going to be doing an English and Music event. Basically, what we did was we took a couple of different songs. I printed out the lyrics. I cut them out, right? And then I would make I would make the people at the event listen to the song and by listening to it, put the song lyrics in order because I had given them the lyrics out of order. Once they have the song lyrics in order, then we take some time to listen to it together, talk about what it means, what are they trying to say, and, and essentially tackle the song in that way. The event overall went really, really well. And the thing that I liked most about it is that we were able to learn things about French and Spanish over the weekend, not just by sitting down in a classroom, writing notes, me explaining the grammar rules. We were able to do it in a way that was enjoyable, fun, and that was a little bit unique and different. It's not every day that you attend a Spanish and music or French and music kind of workshop or activity day. That's not the normal thing people tend to do. And I'm a big believer of this. I think when people are learning different languages, it makes sense to either incorporate another skill or incorporate some other activity into the way that you are studying that particular language. I can give you another example here. Uh, I was speaking with someone last week or rather over the weekend really, or on Friday, let's say more specifically on Friday. Um, we were, I was talking to a lady who runs and who owns a small Mexican restaurant in my city. And we were discussing, we're talking, and I told her like, hey, you know, I've been really looking for someone who can run some cooking classes in very slow and very beginner-oriented Spanish. In other words, we can get five, six, seven, eight people who theoretically do not know a single word of Spanish, and yet, through the activity of this cooking event, they are able to learn a whole bunch of Spanish and pick up a whole bunch of things and learn a whole bunch of things. And I talked to her about it and I said, hey, this is something I've been wanting to host. I've been looking for a chef 
or someone who has cooking knowledge that would be willing to put this kind of event together, is that something that would be up your alley? Now, she initially said yes. Unfortunately, I haven't heard back from her since and she's been not very reachable and accessible. So I'm assuming she's changed her mind and doesn't want to do it. But my thesis still remains the same. If someone, someone would be much, many people would be much more open to learning a language by attending a cooking event, right? And learning through that activity than they would perhaps taking a traditional class. There's definitely people who would prefer to do it. Or even building on top of that, there are definitely people who are currently taking classes or who love classes or who are open to classes, but would still attend the cooking event for extra practice, for a different kind of experience, for layering on top of their classes, things like that. And so this is, a, this is something that I think we need to see a little bit more of. So if you are a language teacher or a tutor or whatnot who's listening to this, you know, bring that into your classroom as much as you can, right? Try and figure out what that can look like. Bring that into your lessons. Problem solve that. If you are a language learner, look for those types of opportunities whenever possible. I Granted, I understand that in some cities and some regions, depending on the language, there are a lot of factors involved and perhaps, you know, it may or may not be easier for some of you to find that type of experience and find those types of things but keep an eye out for them at a minimum, at a minimum, look out for them, right? Now, I wanna change topics a little bit, change gears a little bit. I wanna talk about my Mandarin class. So as many of you know, I'm learning, as all of you know by this point, I'm learning Mandarin and have been for the past four years on and off. And uh, today was Monday and I attended my second Mandarin class of this winter semester at the University of Calgary. We have a different teacher than we did last semester and this teacher seems awesome. She was doing some, some, some things in the class today, which I want to talk about on the podcast because it will benefit, I think, a lot of language teachers and a lot of language learners. So in this class, the teacher did a really good job of giving a 360 view of every new vocabulary, phrase, and grammar point that we learned. So I'll give you an example. We learned a word which was strength in Mandarin, okay? So what did she do? She, first of all, she put it up on this PowerPoint slide. She said, this is the word for strength. I'm gonna say it, everybody repeat it with me. She said it, the class repeated. So this was the first introduction to this word. She then introduced the word in a different way. She explained a lot of the, 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 the reasoning behind why the word strength is, worded the, is written the way it's written and said the way it's said. Because in Mandarin, there's often a logic behind why words are said or written the way they're said slash written. So she explained the logic. Then she had me and another classmate. She told us to have an arm wrestling, an arm wrestling battle, an arm wrestle and arm wrestle each other for the class. So the class is watching, we're arm wrestling. And so then the teacher asked the class, who was stronger? Who had more strength? And she was asking that kind of question to the class. So now, if you really think about it, people have seen an entertaining arm wrestle, which is not something you see in a language class. It's kind of awkward and kind of like goofy and everything, right? She has explained it in a very traditional sense by writing it on the, on the PowerPoint. We saw it, we discussed it, she pronounced it, we pronounced it. She then asked another question asking us, hey, who was stronger, right? So that's, that's another way to introduce the same word. She, so she was doing a really good job and she did that with all of the different words. 
Notice another thing she did is, and she does this in very subtle ways. She gets the class to interact with each other. So by me and that guy having an arm wrestle, we now share a much different kind of connection. And when you have a connection with other people who are learning the language that you are learning, it, it motivates you. It helps you. You have someone to ask questions to. You don't feel so alone. You have, you know, we're social. Humans are social beings. And when we're going towards something together as a group, we tend to do better, usually speaking, right? So by us having an arm wrestle, we now had a we now had a, uh, a built a different connection than if we hadn't done an arm wrestling battle together. <laughs> and on and on and on and on and on. She does a really good job with all of this. She also, another fantastic thing she does is she gives lots of examples of how to use different grammar points and different um, vocabulary, anything we've learned so far. She gives those words and concepts and grammar points in lots of different example sentences in various different contexts. That way, I think it, it allows the, at least, at least me, and based on my observances and what I've observed in the class, everyone else in the class, it allows us to really start to understand, oh, that's how we can use that word. Oh, we can also use it here. Oh, that's how that works. Oh, cool, interesting. So that was awesome. That was really, really good. At the end of the class, she went a step further and she's like, okay, I have a homework for you. She hands out on these really big pieces of paper. She writes, she has these characters written and on a bunch of other big papers, she has the English definitions written. Everybody got either a character or an English definition. We then all had to hold up our big, you know, our big papers with these words written on them and we had to find our matching pair. So I had a Mandarin character, which, which meant only. So I was looking for who has the word only in the class. And I'm looking at everyone holding their papers up. I found the, I found the person. Our homework was simple enough. All we have to do is write one sentence each using this particular word. But what I liked about this was that number one, she used big writing and wrote them on, she wrote, used, sorry, she used big writing to write these new words on papers, right? Big writing helps. When it's big and clear and bold, it helps our brains remember. Small writing, harder to remember. It's just reality, especially with characters and stuff where for a foreigner, the strokes and stuff are complicated. Number two, she made us all hold up our big characters and words in the class and we had to find our partner. We are now searching through, we, our brain is now going through all the words and all the things and we're, and we're doing a, an unconscious matching exercise to look for the matching stuff in our brain. We're really absorbing a lot of information as we're looking through all these different papers. So with that activity, right now we're gonna have to write, I'm gonna write a practice sentence, my partner's gonna write a practice sentence, and then we're gonna hear everyone's sentences with everyone's words. So in a very short period of time, by the time we are halfway through the next class, we're going to have spent an hour and, gonna be what, 50 plus, plus uh, 25, probably like an hour and five, hour and 10 minutes on like what, one, two, like I don't know, like 15? different concepts, give or take, something like that, 15-ish, something, right? An hour and 10 minutes on 15 concepts, and we have reviewed these concepts in so many ways, visual ways, auditory ways, kinesthetic ways, where we had an arm wrestle, we laughed about it, we're now gonna write practice sentences, we're gonna hear people's practice sentences, we had these big papers where we saw the words, we have to lift them up, and we had to find our partner, we had to find the matching words, we had to do that, there was, 
so much in the, and, this, and now we're going to share the sentences next time in an hour and five or hour and 10 minutes, we're going to have reviewed these words in such a variety of different learning styles and methods that they're going to be deeply ingrained in our brains. And we're going to know them. Like most of the people in the class are going to know these words. Like it, it's amazing. So this is a big learning point. Teachers, you have to do this kind of thing in your classroom. It cannot simply be, here's a grammar rule, here's the English translation, here's one or two or three examples, do some exercises. No, that doesn't exactly work. Yes, fine, do some exercises. Exercises are great, but you've got to introduce the word in lots of different ways. It has to be a 360. You have to take a 360 approach to your learning and your teaching. Both teachers and learners have to do this. It's, a, it's the fastest way to learn. And a lot of people struggle to remember things in languages. Like I get that question commonly. Like, how do I remember vocabulary? How do I remember new words? How do I remember like all this stuff and information and grammar and this and genders and that and blah, 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 and blah, 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 writing. How do I remember all of it? It's that 360 approach that allows the information to get deeply planted into your brain. And then it's just easier to remember. You don't have to rewrite your notes a hundred times. You don't have to do all that because it's, it's already been pushed into your brain at such a deep kind of, at a deep kind of level. So um, there's nothing really else that I want to share on this podcast. I think it's a shorter one, 15, looks like 13 or so minutes. So let's wrap that up there. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your attention. You guys rock. Um, and we will talk next time. Bye for now. See you.